0: That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
3: And I'm Scott Galloway. How are you, Kara?
2: Good. Guess what? Walmart what? is announcing it will require U.S. customers to wear face masks. Go, Doug McMillan, I think this is a good thing because Walmart often leads the way in these kind of things, as do many businesses. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it feels as if I mean there's a vacuum of leadership here that's pretty pretty dramatic, and a lot of uh, whether it's Starbucks or Walmart or Best Buy trying to set protocols that in many ways in many ways any action from Walmart impacts more people more directly than anything the federal government does and yeah you have, they did it
2: on guns if you remember yeah. remember Yep. with the shootings they have a lot of impact in a lot of ways they did it in certain areas and so i think it's really important i think walmart has a real opportunity i mean they have their obviously their labor issues and everything else although it pales in comparison to others now uh including tech companies uh, uh but it's really uh i think it's a really important thing and what's fascinating is that I think what will happen is when it goes up against, say, the Georgia governor, who seems to be just a fatuous chucklehead of this week, um, uh, where he he is declaring that nobody has to force people to wear masks, any of the municipalities. I don't know if he can control Walmart, though. I don't understand how that will go up against each other.
3: Yeah, you you had me at fatuous chucklehead. That's your new go-to. It is. Yeah, that's.
2: Yeah, Ridiculous Pop Jay is another one, but he's a fatuous chucklehead. Ridiculous Pop um, but Isn't that how, do, a how do you truth? imagine that's going to go? Because these these governments don't want to sort of argue with Walmart, presumably.
3: Yeah, and it's just very hard to it's very hard to come out against masking because this whole science thing gets in the way.
2: There's never going to be a national mandate uh, unless Biden is president, um, and that won't be till January. Um, so, it'll be interesting because it looks like Trump will not at all uh, say it he can say people can do as they please. But I think it'll be an interesting. I think the mask wearers are winning this one at this point. And the mm-hmm. fact that it took so long is is a is a is terrible, actually, well, there just appears
3: to be a war on on science. I don't know if you saw the other the latest kind of dumpster fire, but Peter Navarro going after yeah. Dr. fauci. it just it's ok. So the administration is now, in fighting and trying to undermine each other's credibility and by the way that's really going to help the pandemic that's absolutely going to help I, you us know get and through then this. they
2: pretended he didn't yeah, he did he it, it on his, his own, own like own he's channels. a rogue agent <sighs> God, you know I'm and so then Williams. that's i call that mask lighting um
3: mask <laughs> so
2: it's just it, it's ridiculous and then the los angeles times had a story saying trump approved of course he did of course nobody makes a move in that white house without yeah, trump's approval agreed. um You know, and then they don't, he doesn't have to resign for it. And Fauci, I love Fauci. He's just going all over the media. They're obviously can't control him at this point because he probably could just leave. Uh, which he won't because he's a very long time uh, dedicated civil servant but he you know he was like I don't even know what to say. Essentially he was like these crazy people who knows what they're doing I'm just going to keep doing my job. I think he's got a lot of uh, leverage right now. Speaking of companies see all these companies are getting dragged in politically. The Goya Mm -hmm. CEO of course came out in support of the Trump administration rather effusively didn't have to do that but he did Um, and then Trump and Ivanka take pictures one in the Oval Office and the other I don't know what she was doing some sort of Price is Right move but but uh, posing with Goya, it, it's so ethically bereft, but, you know, they've done this, at least this. They've uh, done
3: worse. They yeah, done I mean, worse. I'm
2: like, it, everyone's like, is this ethically bereft? I'm like, yes, it is. Of course it is. Um, but what, what does it do to a brand like that? I don't know if it's very good for Goya.
3: Uh, I think, in, well, you, you you might argue if it was a smaller brand, any publicity is good publicity because there's right. that kind of awareness it's so hard. The very first stage at the top of the funnel is just awareness—just knowing a brand. And when you see it on the shelf, consumers, ninety-eight uh, percent of their purchases are with brands that they've heard of. So the first part of branding is just b- baseline awareness. So if this was a smaller brand, you know, even the, the even the negative associations would be positive because you just want awareness. But this is a fairly established brand, a big consumer base and it's it, it's kind of marginal or i would say negligible to slightly negative it won't be it won't have the impact that people think people generally speaking aren't as in touch with the news as as, as mm-hmm. the media thinks people are right and also people are creatures of habit and if they like goya they like goya uh, it's just not but i i can't imagine how this is positive because it evoked a pretty negative reaction. If he had just been up there and said, Thank you, Mr. President, and he'd just shown respect for the office and showed mm-hmm. up. But instead of kind of did you see what a just what a sycophant he was? Yeah. And, and, it was and, really quite something. Yeah. And but that many, the
2: pictures to me, that's yep. whatever. He can do whatever he wants. I just don't think it's a very good look for, for them to insert at all, just at all in general. And you know, they're gonna they have this boycott and, yeah. and we'll see. And then my favorite was Mary Trump, who tweeted out a can of whole foods, uh, beans.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Was, in general, in general, boycotts <laughs> get more, get more attention and more news than they have actual and sales memes. impact.
2: And there were so many memes around Ivanka Trump. They had one of her holding Brad Pars- uh, Parscale's head, uh, you know, they just, their memes were fantastic and it just makes them look like ridiculous grifters and, and, you know, whatever, it's a totally on brand for the Trump administration, but it's still gross. Um, speaking of which, um, uh, you you did say Twitter did the 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 the, uh, the 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 blue checks the verifieds were off last night for including yeah. you are you a verified
3: I am verified yes yes that's kind of my that's sort of I mean that's one of the few real credentials I have is the blue check
2: yeah so I'm gonna allow you to rant about uh, Jack Dorsey right now go right ahead.
3: Oh, you know, I don't, look, uh, hacks, there's been a lot of hacks, and hacks, mm-hmm. again, tend to not have, so far, haven't had a huge impact on the companies that are the targets of the hacks. I think the more interesting thing here isn't the fact that when they called Jack Dorsey and said your platform's been hacked and he had to ask which one, um, is that, uh, that's my, my pivot humor, Kara. Um, <laughs> the um
2: Pivot humor.
3: I, I don't think the President of the United States who can launch nuclear weapons should be using a platform that can be hacked as his primary means of communicating to the world.
2: That is an excellent point. It and really is. It, it, oh, because he could write something like I'm bombing what Russia what right if, now. What
3: if all of a sudden the President starts tweeting, um, I've I've ordered the Sixth Fleet to begin operations and we have begun firing on the city of Tehran. I mean, it's just, he could, he could somebody could start a, a shooting war, well, uh, except by this hacking his president,
2: so everybody takes a minute. They don't know if he's, you know. Like I,
3: don't, I whatever, think everyone's drunk pretty tweeting. much on edge. I think someone who is politically pretty deaf could have a series of tweets over a few minutes that, that they would not have the time to react to. That could potentially. Yeah. Um, escalate pretty fast. The bottom line is the, the president shouldn't be communicating through non-secure channels.
2: Yes. And he is, is right That is 100% now. true. But you do recall, given how old you are, as I am, it, <laughs> the, the, the Reagan, we will begin bombing in five minutes thing, his joke. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, that was not good. That was like a total cur- That was really controversial when he did that, that one thing. And, you know, it was clearly a joke when he did it, but it was still really badly received when he did it. Um because it's not funny. It's not funny. Well,
3: it's, it's a little funny.
2: It's a <laughs> it's not, skosh funny. It's not a skosh funny. Nuclear war is not a skosh. It's never yeah. funny. Never yeah. funny. I've heard that's bad. I in any case, uh, I want to, we want to get to the big story, but I just want to say, guess who is going to be at our most incredible live stream event, which is just becoming very popular with the people pivot schooled in August. Guess who is coming?
3: Jack Dorsey. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google. Oh he was my sc- gosh, the likable Sundar. At- yeah, Sundar's going to be, we have a lot of questions for him. Um, he was scheduled to be at Code, and he has very nicely agreed yeah. to come and do this for us at um, at uh, at our pivot school, which is going to be off the frigging charts. Scott and I had an amazing meeting yesterday with our staff, and they have so many great ideas, they're doing such a great job. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be funny, it's going to be fun, it's going to be informative. It's going There's going to be a special Scott... Uh, Thing that's gonna happen, a I think. Right, special
3: Scott thing. Wow, you, know. you really know how to sell the the hell out of this bit. I can't, a I, I can't, like, give Scott away Scott
2: the can't give away the whole whatever. SST
3: okay? Supersonic Transport. What's that was what called? No, gonna, there's thing. gonna be a
2: lot of antics by Scott. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. antics. I'm
3: the I'm the serious part of this thing. I'm pr- I'm presenting no. No. actual domain expertise or lack thereof.
2: Listen, listen
3: it's gonna be listen fun. Listen to me. Listen to me.
2: <laughs> it's listen to me. It's gonna be lit, you, as the young people you say. You, fatuous and
3: chucklehead.
2: Fatuous chucklehead. Get tickets now. Pivotschooled dot yes. It's gonna be so good. Okay, yes. on to the big stories. This week, NBC's streaming platform Peacock launched but won't be available on two of the most popular streaming devices, Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Roku and Amazon Fire TV share a combined 70% of the streaming player market and reach about 80 million active users. Back in May when HBO Max launched, they were missing apps on Roku and Amazon Fire TV and still have not cut a deal to appear on those platforms. Peacock is available on other streaming devices like Apple TV and Google's Chromecast, among others uh what do you think about peacock what do you think they're doing this um uh 30 rock special they're trying to do all kinds of stuff uh what do you imagine is happening here
3: i think peacock is going to struggle first off peacock uh, late to the game a lot of people have spent a lot of money and a lot of time and are i don't want to say they're sated on content but content consumption has gone up dramatically during the pandemic and they feel it, it it feels as if they're just late. And, I mean, they, they have some unique attributes. One, they do believe, and they're probably correct, that the whole world can't go to subscription, that there is a large market for people who want, will endorse some advertising for free. Uh, I think that their pricing in their brand architecture, I should say their pricing strategy is... Is confusing, three different prices. Free. Explain it. Explain well, it. Free with a lot of advertising, five bucks for some advertising and more content, and then 10 bucks for a bunch of original content and no advertising. But it's kind of the Goldilocks. So you pick, yeah. you have three choices. And I think in this age, consumers. Marketers mistake consumers for wanting more choice. They don't, they want less choice. They less just want choice. to be, they want to be are more happier
2: co- with less choice.
3: Right. They want to be more confident in the choices presented. And Netflix is a very easy choice. You know what it stands <laughs> for. It's no advertising. It's great content. It's original content. Yes. And you know the price. So I think it's I think I that's would never a get rid of
2: Netflix. I would never. It's worth it.
3: Yeah, it's it's and we'll talk a little bit that that's actually my prediction. They are okay. announcing earnings. At the close of business today, we record on on Thursday. Just a little inside baseball for you, you listeners you. out there. But back to Peacock. I think the most interesting thing about uh, Peacock is that if you look at the wars that are going on between mm-hmm. um, them and Roku, it's really telling around just how the power dynamic in media has changed so dramatically. And that is if you distribute, if you go on Amazon Prime, if you're part of Amazon Prime Video, it means you're in their app. You're in their mm-hmm. app, and they basically control it and have access to the data, and they serve it up as like a feature of Prime Video. Or you right. can go, kind of above the fold, if you will, and you're you're a, you're presented as part of distribution. But if you're like Netflix and like um, Disney Plus, but Netflix and Disney Plus control the experience, and most importantly, Kara, most importantly, they have access to all the data.
1: Yeah, and
3: data. what what this is so telling about is that HBO Max and Peacock, you know the The original gangsters in um, uh, not streaming video, but premium non-advertising video, HBO, and also the largest now uh, ad-supported content company on television, Comcast, they don't have the leverage... To negotiate a deal where they're above the fold and they have right. their own app. Amazon's saying, no, we're happy to present you, but we're going to control the experience and have control of the data. Whereas so who, Disney Plus. Who has the
2: power here? The, the device makers, these like Roku and Amazon Fire TV and, and, uh, and Apple TV, or because there's too many of these networks, right? And that, that's your point. Is well, it, it's there's, a, there's sort of like being on a grocery shelf?
3: There's always a debate between content and carriage or between the manufacturer's brand and distribution, which is more important. In this, instance, in this instance, when you're Amazon and you kind of control the rails and you're in 83% of households and you're trying to launch, you know, I don't think consumers are going to say I'm canceling Prime or right. Prime is not nearly as appealing to me because they're not carrying uh, Peacock or HBO Max. It's just weird how, di- in in some Disney Plus and Netflix now have much more power and leverage in the channel than HBO Max or Comcast, which just would have been unthinkable even yeah. five or ten years ago.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think I think Peacock is going to be not nearly as big a disappointment as Quibi, where supposedly ninety two percent of people did not right. up for the paid. Did not did not transition to paid from the free trial. I mean, Quibi is just, people aren't even talking about it anymore.
2: Still got some good content on there. But let me just say something of, of yep. this, because I have a little bit of background in the cable business. My family owned a cable company, a big Your family one. family
3: owned a cable company?
2: Yes, a cable, dis- yes, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We sold it. It's a long story. Well, first to Adelphi and then. Anyway, that's anyway. I'm a cable baron, and I worked wow. in, in cable the Cable baroness. Business. Yes, I'm a baroness. We made wow. quite a bit I'm of money much more,
3: Actually, it's interesting. When you said my family owned a cable company, I was actually more attracted to you. Oh, What's okay. happening, to, well, me? What happening case, to me? In any case,
2: we had one that was just con- like right next to each other. A lot of smaller cable concerns had have little bits and pieces. We had the city of Scranton. It's a long story. My family owns a coal company. We built the lines for cable. Co- I'm not going to go into
3: what, it. Was it called Dunder Mifflin Cable? What was no, the name of the cable no, company? But it was
2: like we owned a big, we owned a big coal company, and so we built that. I'm
3: sorry, you owned a coal company.
2: We still own a coal company. It's and it, it's my brother runs it. It's complex. In any case, hold
3: the phone. Your brother runs a coal company.
2: <laughs> well, technically, we're two trying words. To get-
3: First mine, second blown.
2: You own a coal company. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Listen to me. It's called uh, Jetto Coal. It's excellent coal. It used to supply the coal to the 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 public schools of New York. It may still do that because they have coal burning heating. In any case,
3: you're the Coke sister. You're yes, one of the coach
2: exactly. sisters. <laughs> That's what I am. Anyway, they went. And they got the cable concern. My grandfather liked uh, boxing, and he he liked HBO, so yeah. he wanted to have it in Scranton, Pennsylvania, because they had to go over the Poconos. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but yeah. they built. They had the equipment to lay the cable lines. They got this 99 year lease on the cable. Like, on and on. We ended up selling it. Uh, my brother did, and uh, and and it went to Adelphia. and Now it's at Comcast. Anyway, um, if you remember Adelphia. So I know a lot about this, but one of the things that was interesting was some of the stuff when they were making they're negotiating these deals with these different cable uh, channels. Some of them they had to have and pay up for. Others they got to manipulate, right? Not or, yeah. or just do whatever they want with. And I remember, like, they. I remember my grandfather did this. Other guy was was dealing with that, and he was like, "We have to have HBO. We have to have this." At the time, so whatever is the have to have, you you had the leverage. Yeah. Whatever wasn't the cable company had the leverage, and that's what it looks like here. Same thing.
3: So, just to bring it back from what sounds like the worst episode of Succession. <laughs> And that is the Swisher family drama around their coal mine and their cable company. Um, can you imagine if you're a kid, you can work for the you can work for the 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 cable company and date stars or date actresses, or you can go to work for the coal company.
2: no, the yeah. cable company was really and I'm ugly. sure the it's coal just, company
3: made all the money. But anyways, it, it, no,
2: the cable company did. Are you
0: crazy?
3: That's interesting. But to yeah. bring it back to to Peacock, what you also really need or what's evident and it's really the reason one of the reasons why Disney Plus had such a successful launch. Is it's a pain to it's a pain to take your credit card out. It's a pain to to get these things up and running on your on your television screen. Disney Plus took me two and a half hours. But what Disney Plus had is you had a cadre of nine-year-old boys, i.e. my my youngest, coming home and saying, Dad, Dad, the Mandalorian is on Disney Plus. Yep. We have to watch it. And Peacock was hoping to have that hook. Their Mandalorian was gonna be the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which yeah. is going to be available on Peacock, and they don't have that, so they don't right. really have. I, I mean, your your kid isn't going to come home and say, "We have to have the office," or "I need to see seven You know, season seven yeah. of Friends. It doesn't yeah. appear they have kind of that, at least yeah. not yet. That hook, and a lot of people say Quibi never really. One of the problems with Quibi is it never really had that breakout one thing. Everyone else well, has. It took a, a
2: while for Netflix to get to to, to Game um, of Thrones. House of Cards, actually. Yeah. Game of Thrones yeah. was on HBO. Oh, I'm
3: saying HBO, yeah. House yeah. of Cards, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. House of
2: Cards was, and, and Orange like is the New You sound like someone
3: who a cable company.
2: <laughs> yes, I do, and Orange is the New I used to catch cable thieves. I'm not well, that'll be a story for another day. Catch but it was, cable thieves? Yes, they, you'd oh, have that's to point awkward. this weird cable gun at them, this cable finder. They would, they, literally people would go up and, and attach the cable to their house by going up on really dangerous telephone models to steal cable. It was always the mayor of a town that did yeah. it like it was always like the fire chief it was amazing it was an amazing when i was
3: in high school my mom and i stole cable you know why why because we didn't own a coal company oh (laughs) what
2: you can't steal cable you just can't i'm sorry
3: yes you can you go into the cable box and they have these weird breakers and you just unscrew them and boom it's it's r-rated film for the 15 year old dog yeah Yeah, my
2: family is essentially soprano's light but i won't go into that yet either um Anyhow, yes, that is all a right, we're going to so ball. You think it's not going to work? It's not going to work, and, and a you,
3: cable company.
2: Last thing, Roku, you said was going to be acquired. Do you think uh, that's still going to happen? No, or? but to be
3: clear, my prediction is Roku is either acquired or begins acquiring companies because I'm convinced that the only way you can maintain or get to sort of the hundred billion dollar plus club is to be vertical. And uh-huh. that's, kind of the, the, that's kind of the weak link for not only Netflix, but Disney, if there is an Achilles heel. And the companies, if you think about all the companies we talk about that are over 500000000000 billion, they're vertical. Mm-hmm. And that is they technically manufacture and design their product and they control the distribution, whether it's Apple or Google. And it, both Netflix and Disney don't have their own distribution. And Roku doesn't really have their own content. And I think mm-hmm. if you, so. I think any consultant that Roku hires to come in says, you're going to have to acquire distribution or any consultant... Who talks to Disney or Netflix As you know, over time, we have to control more of our distribution. So the reason why Roku stock is, I don't want to call it bulletproof, but it's had such an incredible run is that if it were to get cut in half, it would be an acquisition target. And if it continues to go up, it can begin acquiring the remaining content yeah. assets that are out there. So I, there's
2: Hulu sitting out there.
3: Roku, uh, yeah, I don't think Disney's going to give up Roku, uh, uh, give up Hulu. And in sum, I think Roku's going to be in the news as uh, most likely an acquirer because it's just got it's just uh-huh. so big right now and has such an, such a great currency in terms of its stock.
2: We need to get the CEO on pivot. We'll do that. Yeah,
3: that. yeah, actually my kind of my most successful business school friend was a senior exec there for a long time. I they, remember
2: when it was what was first amazing. funded. It. Just I remember amazing talking to done. the VCs. It was interesting. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break and okay. come back to talk about Apple winning a tax battle in the European Union and a listener mail question.
0: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.
2: Okay, Scott, we're back. This week, a European court sided with Apple saying it does not owe Ireland in back taxes. Back in 2016, the European Commission, the bloc's top antitrust enforcer, ruled that Ireland must recoup $14.8 billion in allegedly unpaid taxes between 2003 and 2014. But in an unexpected rebuke of that decision, the EU general court said the commission failed to meet legal standards and that they had unfairly treated Apple. Marguerite Vestager, who's in charge of competition at the EU commission, said she would continue investigations into national tax deals with corporations to establish whether they constitute illegal subsidies. Vestager recently launched two antitrust probes into Apple and is considering imposing a digital tax on U.S. tax giants. It's definitely not a victory for her and a victory for Apple. Um, what do you it's a major win, actually, as Apple is about to go into antitrust hearings in the United States. How do you think that'll affect things here?
3: This is a big this is a big issue because is. if our most if the most profitable company in the world doesn't pay taxes, um the question is who does? Well, we know who does, and that is small small and medium sized business that don't have an army of tax lawyers and this kind of double Irish or Dutch sandwich where you issue your IP, the license to the brand, to an entity such as uh, Apple International, which is in the Isle of Skye or in Ireland, and then that entity charges the uh, high tax domain entities a a huge fee for license to the IP, thereby suppressing profits in high tax domains and inflating profits in low tax domains. And then Ireland uses low taxation as a feature to get multinationals. It's nothing but arbitrage well, the, the that takes money out The profits do of
2: come back here and get paid taxes on. But go ahead, it's where you park the money, really. That's real. But go ahead, go ahead.
3: Yeah, but you have access to that capital. It's tax avoidance, yes. pure, yeah. pure and simple. It's tax avoidance, and because we don't have international tax treaties around some of this stuff, the biggest companies who have a international businesses, i.e., big companies, and b have tax lawyers and and lobbyists can. Effectively pay a lower tax rate than small, and medium-sized companies. If you look at, if you look at what's happened in the S and P 500, and you divide it into to deciles, the biggest 50 companies are up uh, since since the beginning of the year, like eight or nine percent. And the companies in the middle, the kind of average-sized companies in the S and P 500, are down about eight percent. And the smallest 50 companies in the S and P 500 are off 38 percent. So why is it that big is better? Mm -hmm. And it's for two reasons. One, big tech monopolies are booming. They're skyrocketing. The market loves monopolies. And two, really big companies, the marketplace is now effectively saying that there's asymmetric risk to the upside for shareholders who will get bailed out on the downside and capture all the gains on the upside. So what we have is an economy where all the shareholder gains are either going to monopolies or companies that are too big to fail which is an asymmetric or is essentially a transfer of power and wealth from who have traditionally been the innovators and the job creators, and that is small and medium-sized business. So we have an unhealthy economy through kind of lax oversight, poor antitrust, and um, essentially companies that are created by moral hazard. I mean, J.P. Morgan has a floor on it because they can take outsized risk and not go out of business when they fuck up because they're going to get bailed out, as are the airlines right now. So, it's really an unhealthy feature of our economy. So, what,
2: two things. Yep. What has to happen? And what is the impact on Vestager? Answer that one first because she's been so aggressive and she continues. I don't think she's going to back off in any way, but it's, she's been winning really yeah. uh, and, and, and sort of uh, been a thorn in the sides of th- these tech companies, including Apple, especially Apple for, and Facebook and others. And, and a very big voice on this in Europe has a big impact. What do you, um, You know, and of course, France tries to impose taxes, this and that. So it's kind of a two-edged sword because the U.S. wants to do some regulation, but they also want to be defensive of U.S. companies. Even Barack Obama was enormously defensive of U.S. companies, um, against European incursions and stuff like that. So what do you, what do you think about that? And then what, what do we need to do to make this right? Or we just live with these weird tax, um, loopholes that these companies can go right
1: through?
3: It, there's just no getting around it. It's a black eye for Marguerite Bestier. And it it it's, you know, it's a win for them. They push back. They appealed this ruling and the appeals courts, and I don't understand the dynamics of the appeals courts, sided with Apple. There's just no doubt about it. It's a win for Apple. It's a loss for uh, Commissioner Bestier. What needs to be done is simple, and I'm a broken record around this, is more aggressive, uh, thoughtful antitrust action that breaks up the biggest guys who overrun Government. And two, we do need some sort of international tax treaty such that all companies agree to tax based on the revenues they recognize in their own nation. And also the US probably needs to go gangster on these low tax or these tax havens and say, we're gonna eliminate corporate tax and then you're gonna we'll put you out of business, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's actually I'm not one of these you know just lower taxes for no reason. I think we are going to have to raise taxes and start behaving more responsibly fiscally. But corporate taxes, I think, is about twenty or thirty percent of our total revenues, and there is a decent argument for just eliminating corporate tax because it creates such weird, abnormal behavior yeah. around reverse mergers and inversions and tax avoidance. Uh, but we need some sort of international tax treaty that says to everybody, the money we make here, we tax; the money you make there, you tax. In some yeah. sort of you know everyone's got to hold the hand and figure out a way to especially around these big guys figure out a way for them to not engage in massive tax avoidance and well, it's also you know,
2: it's ultimately the fault of the regulators for not writing taxes like why these wouldn't businesses are doing why wouldn't they do. do this why wouldn't they do this
3: that's right when I started when I started L two I set up a subsidiary in Ireland because I'm like what's good for the goose is good for the really? gander and I read what GE was doing unfortunately over time I didn't take advantage of it because we're a venture back company and we we weren't profitable but. The, the 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 bad news also for the company is that when tax avoidance becomes a core competence and you lose sight of your core business, you end up like yeah. General Electric. A lot of people would fall say the General Electric. When the best thing they did and the focus of the CEO was having a four hundred person department focused on tax avoidance, they kind of lost a little edge around things yeah. like, you know, making light bulbs you and jet that engines.
2: Irish subsidiary? You know, Apple at least has a facility in Cork and a big uh, a lot of people in they certainly have a lot Their of people. Their international
3: there. unit is basically a sign and a delivery bay no, it's in not, the Isle no, it's of Man. Not. It's a facility. No, no, Ireland, it's a- Ireland has customer service, but the the Apple International. If yeah. you will, quote unquote, yes. that, that is a supposedly a you know a multi billion dollar is essentially almost a PO box in an office park. Well, it's, they do have, but they do
2: have a corporate they have corporate presence that's significant in Ireland. So does Google, by the way. Um, I, I visited it. There's set, there's a lot of US tech. Had been a lot of US tech companies there, and it had to do with both the, the population and the, you know the ability to attract talent and a good place to live in Dublin, mostly, mm-hmm. and also these tax laws and stuff like that.
3: It's interesting. You just got treated differently because you're a coal baroness.
2: <laughs> and you're and you're a tax scofflaw, an Irish tax scofflaw. Unfortunately,
3: I'm not successful <laughs> enough to engage <laughs> in successful tax avoidance. A pair. But the thought was You know, there.
2: my grandfather was an immigrant. He's from Italy. Just well,
3: so you know. That's a flex. All of our I'm just all of saying, all, he's, he's, parents he, are immigrants.
2: Now that we're getting to know each other better, we're gonna take a listener question, which is a great one that we've gotten uh this week. Let's go to the tape.
0: You've got mail. Hi, Kara and Scott. This is Todd Pierce. I'm a retired U.S. diplomat now living in Miami Beach. I started listening to the show when I was posted in Geneva, and I'm a huge fan. I'm also someone who's dealt with anxiety and depression throughout my life. I appreciate how you address in a nuanced and clear way the negative impact tech can have on our emotional state, whether it's the addictive quality of Robin Hood or the body dysmorphia that can creep in after too much time on Instagram. My question is, what innovations do you see having a positive psychological impact I know telehealth is the obvious example. It's enabled me to stick with my psychiatrist, even when we don't live in the same country. But there have to be more positive examples, no? Thank you guys for making the show and taking my question.
2: That is a great question. And let me just say, uh, we got a nice uh, tweet from the father uh, of the boy who uh, killed himself over the Rob Nodak, which, which was wonderful, It's telling Scott to keep going. Uh, which is great. And there's also been some, um, um, we will do that. And there's also been some legislative action. Some Congress people are calling for an investigation in Robinhood's, um, practices, including, especially gamification. Uh, this week, my son talked about it a lot that he gets, I, I didn't know this but on YouTube, which he uses a lot. He said he, he, he was like reciting the ads. He sees them so much for, for Robinhood. And so, and he was, he was like saying, you should do this. You should play with us. And, and he's, you know, 15 years old. So, Scott, what do you think about this? Let's find something good in this, in in this.
3: Well, first off, yeah, you're right. Um, I, uh, so Re- Representative Lauren Underwood um, uh, wrote a letter and she kind of summar- summarized it. She said, this should not, this should uh, have never happened. And she wrote a very thoughtful letter. And it's really um, encouraging to see a U.S. representative start to take an interest in this. And per what you talked about, I'm, 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 Uh, very committed to this personally trying to make some progress against this before it explodes into another one of these companies that is in kind of, you know, the business of exploitation of our, of our most, obviously our most valuable asset, and that's our children. But it's good to see that Congress is taking an interest in it. I'm um, speaking to a couple senators this week about that Mm -hmm. issue. Uh, So hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully government works. But to the The retired diplomat living in Miami, which, by the way, good for him. That sounds like a pretty meaningful, interesting life. Yeah. Uh, I think these companies do a lot of good. Uh, Yeah. I think, I mean, you were talking about coal. I think coal and cable companies uh, are probably, maybe not coal, I would say almost every big tech company were net gainers. The problem is with the word net and that is we have the ability to hold two thoughts concurrently in our mind, and that is maybe even if fossil fuels were net gainers, we still have emission standards. Even if we're net gainers from automobile companies or autos, we still have we still have manufacturing standards. We still have emission standards. So, yeah, I, I want to acknowledge up front, I would say with the exception of Facebook, we're net gainers. There's more positives and negatives yeah. across all these companies, so but that doesn't exonerate them from the same no. regulation and scrutiny of all those. Let's answer his
2: question. So telehealth, I know, has been great. I've done a few things on it. It's been really good. I have lots of friends who are doing their psychological stuff still online. I mm-hmm. think it works out. It's actually working out really well because it's yeah. quite intimate. Um, uh, fit trackers are good. Meditation apps. Calm, um yeah. There's all kinds of, uh, of stuff that have, has positive psychological impact. These, these, these workout stuff, the Pelotons, the, as things like that. Um, you know, what do you, what do you, you know, you have these movements. Another listener recently asked if movements like Me Too and Arab Spring ultimately outweighs the damage that social media does. I don't think so. As Twitter moves into possible subscription model, that's a possibility. Um, so do platforms like, uh, Zoom and Slack let you work from home help? name some more. Name some more where you think the positivity is, is stronger and the net is is a little more on the positive side.
3: Well, I think uh, all of those that you were talking about, I also think many of the, um, I mean, there's 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 food and nutrition apps that do a pretty good job. I think almost all of these guys do do a nice job. I don't, I'd love, I mean, what we're seeing or where the opportunity is, I would say economically and also from a human capital standpoint is I think COVID-19 has inspired what I'll loosely refer to as the great dispersion, and that is medicine and education are no longer going to be filtered through the constraints of these geographic regulators, specifically a hospital, a doctor's office, or a university, such that, as you mentioned, or uh, with a, a therapist or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a trainer or a nutritionist, Unless it's hands-on, unless it's a chiropractor or an acupuncturist, you're going to probably be able to digitize it and deliver 80% of it for hopefully 30 to 50% yeah. of the price through this great dispersion. And what's also interesting is that COVID-19 has inspired regulators to um, apply HIPAA compliance or just kind of get out of the way and let people prescribe medications and move to remote medicine. It's cleared out a lot of bureaucracy that yeah. people would argue pharmaceutical and Doctors' lobbies had left in place because it benefited them. So uh, there is a, a you know, yeah. one of the upsides. If you if you talk about take all these apps, it's the same thing. They've all they've all leapt forward ten years in about eight to twelve weeks, and that's the, it, there are now venture capital firms raising raising funds with one word uh, in terms of the strategy: remote. So anything you know, we're just seeing just such an acceleration in anything that can be delivered. Uh, remote, but it, it feels like mental health is a killer app around this stuff. It feels like travel yeah. in the early days Agreed. where it's a it's a huge industry an important industry that can that is an information based industry.
2: And I think it's a great, you know, Amanda's parents are both uh, in uh, psychologists, and they they've used it. I think her father's a psychiatrist and her mom's a psychologist. They find it works really well. I mean, there's nothing like being in person in many ways and having interactions. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it as opposed to say education. Everyone who's used. Telehealth and psychiatry and things like that seems relatively satisfied, and it, it does have an intimacy that does work. Even doing podcasts, not just with us, when I was doing Rico Deco podcasts, they worked out really well uh, with, uh, with with with. Uh, we used Squadcast other people use zoom and i find some meetings are pretty good like there's you know what i mean like so there are there's a lot of stuff as they as you begin to tweak it that work well and, and in telehealth let me just say and then we can move on to predictions is th- there's been i've noticed a lot of commercials on cable uh because i watch late night cable uh all the time and so it's either the i don't see them my pillow guy very much but um but there's uh, there's a lot of commercials that lately that are showing, like, p- someone putting their hand up to a screen, and then the doctor can x-ray, or there's an x-ray that gets taken, and then they can diagnose stuff. And, you know, you can see that you don't have to go to the doctor for a lot of stuff, even though certain things require hands-on visits, um, like an MRI or something like that. But I think more and more this is going to be good for people's health if they can have e- more easy access to uh, experts without all the, the, the friction that causes ha- you have to go to the doctor, you have to park, it takes money, it takes time out of your day, extra yeah. time and stuff like that. So. One
3: observation I would make is that I think whether it's the, the service provider, whether you're teaching an online course or you're, you're the psychiatrist delivering an online therapy session, Um, most of our focus, because we're a consumer-led economy, is if it's good or bad for the consumer, and the general viewpoint is it's good for the consumer, it saves him or her time, and over time should be able to be more Mm cost-effective. I find on the service provider side, it's actually more taxing. Uh, I find teaching online classes very, very difficult. Oh, you do? And also, if you talk to, I mean, when you're talking about Zoom, my team finds it exhausting. And supposedly delivering, if you're a therapist on the other side of delivering online therapy, they say it's very difficult and very tiring to do these online sessions. So it's, I worry that over the long term, everyone's talking about the benefits of remote work, and there is benefits, less commuting, more efficient, live where you want. But there is something to the notion that if your job can be outsourced, if they can let you move to Denver, that means they can keep going and move your job to India. And I find that delivering stuff via Zoom as a service provider is just exhausting.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. I like some of it. But, you know, it's interesting because Amazon announced people didn't have, we didn't go going back to, to 2021. I think the New York Times did. So that's going to be, you know, pretty much everyone's, every major offices are going to be stay at home and don't come back in for a while. So more and more people will get used to it and find workarounds that will then become permanent. I think that's very clear. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions.
0: Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
2: Okay, Scott, I'm going to do a prediction yes. this week. Um, actually, I have two of them, actually. Okay. The first one I'm going to do is is related to TikTok. You know, there's been an increasing um, attacks on it, a backlash against it, all kinds of even the Democrats are piling on. Uh, I, I wrote a column this week in the times about it, which will appear, but it's, um, I think they're going to spin it off. I think they're going to, this, this is sort of, was sort of a, a as, as, uh, uh, Ben Thompson at statutory said, it was a, it was a, it was a sidelight thing. And now it's moved to center stage, yeah. these issues around China. I think they're going to have to spin it off and go public in the U S and just break the ties. So they're not subject to the national intelligence, the heinous national intelligence laws, of China, it, even though there's no proof that there's any kind of movement of data to China, yeah. they can be compelled to. And even in their privacy policy, they say they could do it even though they don't do it. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna spin off. That's my feeling. That is my prediction. Yeah, and
3: they've signaled that. There was yeah. it wasn't an accident so, that they hired, you know Kevin, a big white yeah. American guy. It, yeah. It be, I think they're planning this. And I think they figured they saw this coming and said, okay, how I do I think we, it's
2: accelerated
3: yeah how 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 can we come across as more global slash American and reduce the perceived threat? and xenophobia that that we kind of feel towards almost all things, Chinese or non-American. So I think this is this was part of the reason that he was able – he's going to be probably the newest minted CEO billionaire oh, yeah. when they go public.
2: Billionaire, you're right. And, anyway, that's my prediction. Uh, and, that makes sense. And then my actual prediction yeah. – uh, so I'm going to make a full disclosure because I work for The New York Times and New York Magazine. Yeah. Um, and I have some personal relationships involved here that aren't worth getting into, but they're awkward. Uh, totally Googleable if you are in the mood, but why bother? Mm, this is
3: good. Uh, I'll some music in the to. background. Another, in episode four of, <laughs> of Succession, <laughs> dysfunctional yet boring, the Swisher controversy. Go ahead. Okay, Go ahead. It's, I'm waiting.
2: It's, it's juicy. It's juicy. Okay. I know it is. It is. This Go week on. is likely.
3: Go on. All right.
2: Anyway, Barry Weiss, longtime New York Times op ed writer, or not long time, actually. Oh, here he comes. Resigned from the New York Times. She she accused the company of internal bullying of her concern. And she's not conservative. She calls herself centrist. She also published, uh, widely shared uh, and widely shared her resignation letter same day. Andrew Sullivan, the conservative uh, political writer, again, Mm -hmm. she's so conservative. I don't know what he is anymore. uh, At New York Magazine, announced uh, he would be a contrarian. I'll say contrarian writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, announced he would be uh, leaving the publication. Ben Shapiro leaving uh, wherever the hell he is. Um, so uh, you know, I had known, heard about this through the media entrepreneurs circles mm-hmm. that there there was something they were all cooking not the up together. The cold circles. The cold <laughs> circles. No, not the cold circles. That's a whole different group of people. Mm. That's a lot of guys. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of like, b-
3: bad food and windowless conference
2: rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a lot of beer and yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. other things. Let's get some wings. Uh, you know,
3: Anyways, I'm sorry. Wings,
2: <laughs> wings, and. Strippers, whatever. Anyway, um, so I think they're going to start their own publication. I don't know. The yeah, Heretic they already Daily. announced it. Didn't they,
3: didn't they announce it? The
2: uncanceled, the uncanceled. I don't know. They're, yeah. I think they're going to start something right. and be funded. I'm not. I'm be curious. You know, maybe money from teal. Who knows? Uh, but I think this was a, was a long. I think this is a long game of PR in this regard. I don't. I don't agree with her letter. Um, I think it was missing a lot of pertinent facts, uh, but uh, and uh, and was designed uh, to 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 this next thing. Uh, I think a lot of people think that, and so uh, I predict you're going to see a new uh, right in the middle of the time when lots of, including Vox Media and others, are mm-hmm. having layoffs, BuzzFeed and things mm-hmm. like that you're going to see a newly funded organization possibly or linked to something like Joe Rogan or, or just the, they're, they're I think they're close. And uh, so you're going to see something with, I think probably those three, but we'll see. It makes sense. Uh, you're definitely going to see a book deal obviously. Um, but it seems like there's something afoot. That's what I would say. Yeah. I've heard this for months and I, I actually said it to uh, uh people yeah, uh, privately.
3: Uh, I thought the letter. I mean, I thought the letter was well written. I do think there is. We, no, you know, we I disagree over this. Anyways,
2: desperate need of an editor. But go ahead.
3: Um, <laughs> Well, I know one that's a coal baroness. Anyways, she's. um, I would not edit that letter.
2: But yeah, it
3: felt, uh, I would say, I don't want to, it didn't, it didn't, it did actually undermine and diminish a bit of the credibility of the letter when the next day I thought I read that they were going, they were starting a new company. It felt like kind of a press release and a kind of a means of getting awareness for whatever their new co is going to be. But I don't think it's. I think it's unfair to sort of associate it with what I think they're going to plan to do with Peter Thiel. I think what they're trying to say—I don't know if it's
2: Peter Thiel, FYI. Yeah, I know, no but idea. my
3: point is, it's it's not it's not a libertarian band. I think I think what they're saying is, it, is that there's no there's no um, middle left, and that there's an opportunity for media that tries to place itself somewhere in the middle. Um, the other thing that that was interesting in our letter, and I've seen this in companies, is that there appears to be a fissure between. Kind of the over 40, quote unquote, liberals and no. the under 40. It's untrue. Woasters. Yeah, it's, it's untrue. untrue.
2: Those were two. That's one thing she left out. She tweeted all this stuff after the yeah. Tom Cotton thing that was patently untrue. And it was at, like 12 people from The New York Times is like, uh, we were in this meeting and it was young and old. This is not what happened. And so yeah. that's was left out of the letter. You know, and she's like, people called me a liar. And I'm like, well, you kind of tweeted stuff that was untrue. So. They were furious at you. It was a regular editorial back and forth. It was not a civil war. There's just, it's, I am there. I, I, I'm i not deeply enmeshed in the New York Times, but it's just untrue. I don't think anyone,
3: I don't think people were worried about that. I think they were a little disturbed when they heard that you got very angry at the letter and you hopped in your car and you put on <laughs> diapers and you drove 30 hours to speak to her. That's, oh All wait, right, that's, that's not enough. you. I've never that's met a in you. person.
2: I have never, I would never do that. I have no, I have no personal relationship with this person. So um, no
3: personal relationship make, with this person. And something tells yes. me you're not going to develop one.
2: <laughs> I, I, it's, you know, the work is not my cup of tea, but a lot of people's work are my cup of tea. So it's mm. fine. Like, I don't mind it. It's fine. It's not your cup, of, I,
3: coal. It's it's not not cup your of coal. It's not my cup of coal. But here's
2: the deal. I, aside from this letter, which I think is is problematic. I'm mm-hmm. going to, is problematic. And I don't want to discuss that because I don't think this is, I think there should be discussions about editorial issues within newspapers. I think that uh, behavior on Slack, for example, mm-hmm. is bad. You know, she noted an ax emoji. I, I, you know, I don't know. Like, let's look and let's, they should do an investigation into how people behave. But it was just, just basic like Slack meanness. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's look at it. I say, like, I be think trans- the key is be, just to
3: not understand Slack and you're not subject transparent to anything. It.
2: <laughs> people lose their minds on Slack. Slack is demonic for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like Twitter. Um, but having a disagreement with someone is not the same thing. And, and if you, as, as, uh, you know, if you're, if you write things that are offensive and then people are offended, and then you're mad that they're offended. It seems like this is just not the hill to die on. This particular letter is not the hill to die on for mm-hmm. this point. Same, uh, that's my feeling. And I, they're going to start something, and they can. That's great. I think that I, entrepreneurs welcome media entrepreneurs everywhere, um, and uh, it should be interesting. And 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 it should be. You know, it could be called the Uncancelled, the Uncancelled, movie, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's my feeling. There you have it. Now you know so much about my personal life. No, this
3: has, been, this has very, been very illuminating. Okay, so my prediction? Prediction, go ahead. My mind is blown. I've been thinking about this all week here, and that is in the history of business, something we record on Thursdays, and something this afternoon is going to happen as a function of what is an unprecedented situation in business, and that is we have a company whose sales or consumption of their core product is up 38% year-on-year, uh, um, year, which is just, uh, I'm talking about Netflix. So mm-hmm. the consumption or the core product is up, consumption of the core product is up 38% year-on-year. great.
2: Year. That's because it's great.
3: I agree, I agree. Give me some running room. Give me some running right, room. Go for it. Um, it. But at the same time, and I don't think I've ever, I, I can't name another company or another situation where this has happened. At the same time, their costs have absolutely plummeted because they're they're no longer allowed to be in production. Mm-hmm. So what you're about to see, and this is my produ- my prediction, I think Netflix oh. goes over at an uh, after hours today breaches 600 bucks a share and becomes more valuable than Comcast, AT and T, and Disney on on the back of this. Not only they're incredible. Success. They're up eighty percent since the March lows. They're up sixty percent uh, year to date, just behind uh, just behind Amazon, which I think is up sixty four percent. But I'm trying to think of another situation where a company's it's as if General Motors said, "We've sold forty percent more cars, but we haven't had to keep our factories open. We've been able to close yeah. them and save money." I don't think in the history of business we've ever seen. Plus,
2: they have a backlog. Netflix is an endless well. Right. They have new this content. library.
3: So you're about to see you're about to see this trope. Uh, anomalous, incredible earnings surge announced today at Netflix. And they'll do anything they can to throw expenses on it, to take it down. Because once they do fire up production again, their earnings will go back uh, to kind of normal levels. But I think the stock is going to pop. I think Netflix has so much momentum. And they're going to look out 10 years as the market is doing and saying, this company is just a juggernaut. Anyways, Netflix, over 600 bucks a share, close of uh, after the market closes today, on the back of this incredible trope-like notion where a, a company can increase its sales 38% while seeing its costs plummet, I've just never, yeah, I've never, I, I've never seen it before.
2: Good one. We have good predictions today. That's a good. Let me just say, I agree with you. And by the way, there's so much, there's so much good content. I keep discovering it, yeah, and it's, it's, quite it's quite delightful. Like I just watched Eurovision, the Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, like I watched that
3: with my sons. It was cute.
2: It was adorable. I was so happy to have it. And then I moved over to another thing that was more serious. I forget what it was. But it just there's an endless supply of really good content and whatever strikes your fancy. And it's always sort of serving you up very much like TikTok. Actually, I really enjoy using TikTok. Um, Really great product away from everything else of any of these apps. I like to focus on great products. And I think even though the costs have gone down, Netflix is great because the product is great.
3: Yeah, they do a fantastic job. No doubt about it. No doubt about Good it. Good
2: prediction. Good prediction from you. Okay, squat, Scott, squat, squat, I call squat. <laughs> I'm gonna call you squat from now on. All right, another quarantine weekend is upon us. I know you're going to call me six times. I know I know I didn't call you back the other night. I'm sorry. Oh, you're bragging now. Way. You didn't call me. I was me watching back. Eurovision. That's what I was doing. Yeah. That's what I, I was actually and it was so good. I couldn't stop watching adorable Rachel McAdams speak Icelandic. I just couldn't I just couldn't stop. Yeah. So,
3: that thing red light like kind of did from the from the from the Chamber of Commerce from Reykjavik. It made, it made I know, Iceland but I loved really it. I just likeable. she's so adorable. And anything I with stop Pierce watching. Brosnan.
2: I know. He's so handsome. He My handsome. handsome father. Very good looking. He was, he was really good. But uh, but what are you doing this weekend? What are you up to? Uh,
3: Absolutely nothing. Um, I can't, I literally, uh, like my mind's blank when you say, what am I doing this weekend? I'm writing a big piece or a big piece for me Mm -hmm. on education. I'm trying to assemble a list of which educational institutions bring this toxic cocktail of a lot of international students. Low endowments, high admin Mm -hmm. rate, and uh, high tuition with a kind of a low experience and a tier two brand, because I think there's about to be 500 yep. or 1,000 universities that'll start a death march on September 1 with the demand I will note that
2: Scott gave this lecture to my son. I think you, you were trying out your arguments on my son, who asked about NYU. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, by oh. the way. It was very helpful. It's
3: my pleasure. And I kicked off my latest Prof G strategy sprint. So I'll be doing my first class on, t- uh, not this weekend, but Tuesday night. I got 1,000 students that wow. uh, all online. Uh, that's exciting. So yeah, just doing that's doing my gig. Good. Good. Doing my gig.
2: I'm going to install baby gates. I'm not. <laughs> baby gates. <laughs> That's
3: what I'm doing. Baby gates.
2: I'm installing baby gates. That's, That's where my life is right nice. now. Nice. Don't forget, if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. This was a really good show. It was full of information. I really have liked your analysis this week, well, and I thanks, really girl. appreciate it. Thanks. Anyway, read us out.
3: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis, Fernando Finete engineered this episode, Erica Anderson, is our executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Go Netflix. Have a great weekend, Care.